Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner in crime for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together, we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, your vocation, your spiritual life, or maybe your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. I'm Chris Maxwell, and I'm having a conversation with my friend Tracy Reynolds. And Tracy, uh, our last podcast with uh, Dr. Ron White was like a powerful reminder of uh, why we do what we do and how it is even possible for good things to happen in the middle of uncertainty. Amen. You know, I guess because we lived that, we're revisiting that. This is uh, much more emotional than I thought it would would be. Uh, So anyway, it's so good. You know, last time, Ron, you talked about uh, some aspects of transformational leadership. And you talked about, you know, modeling the way or leading by example was the first one. What keep going with that and tell us more about that model and how that played out at Emmanuel. Sure. Another attribute of transformational leadership is caring for the people. And um, that involves trust, respect, being transparent, Mm -hmm. listening. I mean, when you really care for people, you encourage them, you listen to them, and you share with them. And you share deep and from your heart. And um, when I got to EC, one of the things I saw uh, were a lot of hurting people. Yeah. Um, people who were saying things like, uh, how could this happen? Um, where's God in all this? How could God let this happen? As if God was responsible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Uh, Things they were saying things like, um, "Well, people are keeping things from us. We don't know what's going on. We want to know what's going on, that kind of stuff." And so I, I listened to that, and I thought, "Well, okay, I, I guess I'm going to share. I'm going to be transparent." But now that's going to inflict more pain. Mm. But sometimes you—that's just where you have to go as the leader. As the leader, you have to. Um, you have to trust your people that they can manage what you're going to tell them, but that they can also see the solution, that there's going to be a solution to the pain, that there's going to be a way through. Um, I mean, you think of great leaders in the Bible and the, the thing, you know, Moses, you know, comes up, you know, here he goes in and he's not even received by his own people. Yeah. You know, so he, he doesn't have his own people following him and he goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's obviously not listening to him. And uh, so, you know, here's a leader commissioned to do a great work, and he's sort of caught in the middle. I kind of felt that way, Um, and we began sharing, and I felt like that sharing was caring, okay? Mm -hmm. And and so I'm sharing everything. You guys know. Y'all were there. We put it up on the screen, and we all sat there and looked at it, and people looked at it and saw it for the first time, and they saw the red numbers, and they saw the the negative numbers, and they saw how bad it really was. And that's when people started saying, stop, stop. I don't want to know that much. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget walking out of chapel, out of the, out of the chapel where we were, uh, auditorium where we were sharing this. And uh, we left, and I was walking back to my office, 
and there was this faculty member, two faculty members talking to each other, and one of them just tears streaming down her face. And she said, thank you, but I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> mm. And, uh, you know, again, but then the next piece of this was you have to follow right with that saying, but God is in control. So yeah. let's, let's put our faith and trust in God. Let's, let's not trust in ourselves. Let's not think about ourselves. Let's not think about financial deficits and defaults and all those kind of things. Uh, let's think about God because he is the solution. He is the one that can bring provision and he will respond. You know, he, heaven and earth will be moved by our prayers. And, and that's what I tried to communicate in my caring for the people in that part of my leadership responsibility. How can we as leaders become better at that, of, of finding a, a healthy balance of um, bringing up and revealing, you know, being transparent, revealing the bad news, but being able to say it in a way that's not deceptive, but it's also full of faith, full of hope, believing that great days are ahead. Well, I believe in the bookend process. <laughs> so you start by pointing people to God. Mm -hmm. God is the source. God is in control. God can do the impossible. That's where you start when you make a presentation to people mm -hmm. that's gonna, that you know is going to be a difficult presentation. But you start. That's the first bookend. And then you tell them the bad news, and you give them a very clear picture of the bad news. And it's not about... And, it, and by the way, this is very important. It's not about casting blame. It, it's not about throwing people under the bus or any of that. Uh, because really, it doesn't matter how you got to where you are. The, the question is, how are you going to get out? How, how are you going to let God help you get out? And so you give them the bad news, all the bad news, and then you put the book in on the end. And that ending bookend is God is in control just where you started. You start with God is in control, you end with God is in control. And in the middle, between the two bookends, is mm. this mess we've got on our hands. One other thing that I know you, uh, you tried to do and did very well, in my opinion, and that is that when we had small victories, and sometimes they were really small, we had to look for them. <laughs> we but, did. But, but you shared those, and part of that was also you know, sharing some of those little victories as they happened. Absolutely. You've got to celebrate uh, every time uh, something happens that is clearly God's hand. Yeah. So you're, you, you just told them, I, I just told them, okay, God is our solution. God can do the impossible. And then something great happens. You got to say, see, say, what did I tell you? Didn't I tell you that God can do these things? God did that. Uh, oh, yeah. You said, well, so-and-so wrote a check. Well, that guy didn't write a check un unless God influenced mm, him amen. to do that. And, and so, you know, I, I told people all along that, that um, and this is what I said to people, by the way, who had lots of money, uh, who could help us, um, is that, you know, God may own the cattle on a thousand hills, but he doesn't have a bank account except yours and mine. Yeah, that's good. You know, and so where does the money come from? It comes from people who are moved and influenced by God. And when they, when they hear the voice of God and respond obediently, then our situation is solved. That's good. Well, tell us more about uh, this transformational leadership as it's playing out. Sure. Um, well, obviously, we had, uh, you were talking a minute ago about the little victories, but then we also had some pretty major setbacks. Yeah. Um, and uh, things that we knew were coming, uh, but when they actually land on your desk... 
it it's kind of gives you heart failure. And uh, <laughs> um, one of those moments was when we received the letter from the U.S. Department of Education uh, that because of the default we were in and the problems we had, we would be required to post a letter of credit. Now, what that basically means is that we have to cough up $1.6 million that would reside in a bank account somewhere that would be controlled by the government, not us or the bank, uh, that would be there in the event, in the event that we went belly up. Mm. So how would, how would students get refunds? How would, you know, people that we owed money to get money? And so, uh, obviously it, it could have been a lot larger, but, but, uh, well, it was actually, th- uh, it was actually th- th- over $3 million dollars. Uh, but we made an appeal. There's a way you can appeal, mm-hmm. and we made an appeal for a smaller percentage, and so it was uh, about half, uh, yeah. 1.6 million or so. But we didn't have 1.6 million. Yeah. The only money we had was money we had to use to make payroll and to pay our our bills and to keep things keep things uh, floating. So, and we had nothing in reserve. Uh, there was no place to turn for 1.6 million, and. So this is where another part, another uh, attribute of uh, transformational leadership comes in. Thinking outside the box is, mm. is the way I, I phrase this particular attribute. Um, and, and so, you know, what do you do when that letter of credit comes your way and you've got to come up with that kind of money and you don't have any money? Um, well, you go to your knees mm-hmm. first, yeah. right? I mean, you just get on your knees before God. But you... You do more than pray. You pray, and then you're, you then pray about your actions. What are you going to do? How are you going to solve this? And so to me, it was clearly going to be one of those moments where you had to think outside the box. Now, you know, God is very good at helping us think outside the box. Uh, in fact, sometimes that's what he requires of us. And I think of, of the story of Gideon. Mm. There's no more bizarre... <laughs> weird story of leadership in the Bible than the story of Gideon. When Gideon's, you know, Gideon's feeling pretty good about things. I got this big army, you know, I'm going to go here and we're going to do this thing. And God says, nope, you got too many people. Mm. And can you imagine? (laughs) What, What did Gideon, what? What do you mean I have too many people? I don't have nearly enough. (laughs) No, because if you go out there with this many people and... I work on your behalf, bring the victory, you're going to say, you did it. Mm. So get rid of, you know, get rid of a bunch of these people. And so he goes through two cullings, you know, and he's left with just a few hundred. (laughs) Mm. Can you, you know, I can't, I I understand Gideon and his uh, doubt. Sometimes we say, well, Gosh, why did he test God with the fleece? Why did he test God going down and, and eavesdropping uh, in the camp? Why did he do that? You know, he should have been a man of faith. Well, I think I would have done the same thing. <laughs> Me too. You know, come to think of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, really? I'm going after the horde of Midian with just uh, a few hundred people. Yeah. I That's think crazy. I would have given God double or nothing. He would try one more <laughs> yeah. time. He would go for six times out of seven. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it was, a, it was an outside-the-box moment for Gideon, I'm sure. 
Um, and he solved the problem in a weird way, right? So a trumpet and a pitcher and a sword. I mean, this is pretty weird. And so we began thinking, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this $1.6 million? And uh, an idea began to form in my head. Okay, the only resource we really have is people. So why not go to our donors um, and our friends, the friends of the college and ask them if they would be willing to loan us some of their money, put it on deposit in the bank for, to back this letter of credit. Um, everybody I talked to about this said I was crazy. Hmm. Uh, again, everybody on the leadership team was like, nobody will do that. Why would it, they had to be crazy given our circumstances. Why would they do that? And I'll never forget, we were in, in the senior leadership meeting, the administration meeting, talking about this very problem. And I said, well, has anybody got a better idea? And there was stony silence in the room. And I'll never forget, I said, well, since no one's got a better idea, and since this is the only idea we have, then we're going to start today working on this mm. idea. Wow. And that's what we did. Yeah, and I wonder uh, how many people are in situations like that during this season of mm. waiting, of where will the money come from, where will the workers come from, where will the people come from. Um, it, the, these, are, these are scary times for many people. Uh, but, but Ron, you helped create that atmosphere of trust and hope. And, but doing that, doing, living that life of trust and living that life of hope, together. Uh, thank you for being honest with us. Thank you for being transparent. And you did give us hope. Uh, and I believe that, that we now are in roles where we can help pass that hope along to other people during these seasons of uncertainty. What are some more thoughts before we close? Uh, what are some more thoughts that you would give us as we seek to give hope to others? Well, you you have to be bold and um, and you have to go with what you think God is telling you to do. And so can you imagine those conversations I had with donors? I'm going up to them saying, would you be willing to risk your money on an institution that's in default and in trouble with the feds and accreditors and agencies, you name it? Um, would you put your money in the bank and you can't get it out when you put it in there? It's not going to come out for a year. And if we go belly up, you never get it back. I mean, can you imagine having those conversations? But that's what I had to do over and over again. And I'm thinking that the only thing that would cause that would be the voice of God and a measure of trust. They'd have to believe in exactly. the vision of the institution and you as, as the leader of that. It's, you can't separate the two because you're, you're the face of that. But I see this amazing amount of trust, uh, and it's humbling. Well, well here's, this, here's the weirdest part of the story. Um, someone uh, called me and said, hey, I know a guy. And actually, this guy doesn't have an incredible amount of money, but he has influence with people who do. So would you, mm -hmm. maybe you ought to talk to him. And see, I was getting those kind of, that, that kind mm -hmm. of uh, help from people, <laughs> help, <laughs> quote, unquote. And so, um, so this guy made the introduction. Uh, we were talking, found out that we were both going to be at the YouthQuest conference uh, down in Daytona Beach. And I said, okay, uh, do, would you have 30 minutes for me to talk to you about this situation? He said, sure. And so we're meeting in the lobby of the hotel 
you guys were there, so yeah. you, you remember uh, what it was like. And so you got all, you know, thousands of teenagers running all around, coming in, people checking in, checking out. And I'm sitting in the lobby, all this noise and commotion, talking to a guy I don't even know. And, uh, and I'm just trying to tell him the story in 30 minutes and ask him to help us find people who would invest in this idea of backing the letter of credit. I could see the expression on his face was like when we when I first started talking, it's like who is this nut, <laughs> you know, and and then uh, well maybe God is speaking to this nut seemed to be the next uh, uh, quizzical expression on his face, and then it ended with him saying, "Let me see what I can do," wow. and within um, uh, twenty four forty eight hours. Uh, I was talking to a lady that he introduced me to that he had influence with, and the result of that conversation was $300,000 pledged to the $1.6 million. Wow. Now, here's the crazy thing. When the, when the feds told us we had to come up with $1.6 million, we had 75 days to mm. come up with $1.6 million. 75 days. 75 days. Uh, at day 60, before the, up, right up to the conference that we went to, on day 60... Uh, we had about $200,000 pledged. Mm -hmm. On day 64, at the end of that conference, we had $1.2 million pledged. Mm. And it all happened. It all started rolling because I'm talking to a guy I don't even know, who, by the way, is one of my best friends now, (laughs) but, but I don't even know this guy. He doesn't know me. We have mutual friends, and I'm telling him all of this stuff, none of which he knows about what's going on in Emmanuel. And at the end of the conversation, he says, let me see what I can do. Wow. And what he did was put me in touch with somebody who put 300000 on the table. And when that 300000 came on the table, it, I think other people, although we were talking in confidence, but I think people found out about it, and other people just started saying, well, can we get in on this? <laughs> that was sort of the feeling. I mean, I'm walking down the hall and somebody would just come out of nowhere and say, Hey, I hear about this thing you're doing. You're trying to raise this money. Uh, I'll put in a hundred thousand, wow. you know, or I'll put in 50,000. Um, another guy comes down the, the hall and he's, he's head of an, of an organization. And he says, our organization will put up 250,000. You know, wow. and the beautiful part miracles. about some of this is the miracles are, these are like miracles leading to a bigger miracle. Yeah. And I can't wait to get to that part of it. But what's happening now is giving these miracles are helping us get to a position where we might could solve the bigger issue because it's just getting us to a place of stability so that we can actually right. begin to work on the real this problem. This was just one <laughs> little blip well, yeah. on the radar screen of all the problems that we face. This was just one. I could go on and on and on. Multiple problems after problem after problem, agencies, groups, accreditors, athletic associations and you name it everybody wanted a piece of our flesh <laughs> because of where we were and everybody was afraid of of uh, losing their money or you know what would uh, the reputation be damaged or whatever uh, should we close in disgrace i mean that was yeah, really kind yeah. of what was driving all of this but but in the middle of all of that god was with us yeah. you know that's not just theory that's not just part of the history of the school god was with us and and uh, Tracy, these are great conversations we're having with uh, Dr. White. He's the president of Emmanuel College. Um, what an honor it is. And we need, to, we need to do one more of these, Tracy. These are good. I'm in, so, man. Let's do it. All right, well, let's finish this one as we uh, just try to remember that whatever we're going through, there are ways as we work through it, pray through it together, 
there are ways we can make our next steps our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Hey, do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleadership.buzzsprout.com. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans. And new music is coming soon. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.